Well, welcome, everybody. And good morning. And uh, uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks for your uh, patience. And thanks for making River Glen part of your Christmas weekend. And uh, those of you joining us online, so good to have you uh, with us. But you know what? I hate waiting. Don't you hate waiting? I, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it. I mean, that was about 60 seconds of, of silence there. And some of us are going, come on, let's get this moving. You know, I got food to cook. I've got gifts to uh, wrap up. Why do you think I came to the 9 o'clock? You know, I got a lot of stuff going on. Some of you still have some shopping to do. Some of you are shopping right now on your phone. And uh, you don't think I can tell. I can see the reflection in your glasses. Amazon.com. And, uh, you know, make sure you get something for your pastor uh, while, you're, while you're at it. All right. But I think as a group of people, we hate to wait. And so here's what we do. We try to create a now kind of world because we find it so hard to deal with the not yet. That's why we weave in traffic in and out because we want to get there right now. That's why when we call for the pizza and they pick up on the other end and they say, do you mind if I put you on hold? We're thinking, yeah, I mind. I want my pizza now. And then we come to our Christmas Eve service and the pastor makes us wait. And we're going, come on, I want my Christmas message over right now. I think one of the reasons that we hate to wait is because waiting has a way of reminding us that I'm not in control. I'm not in control. There's nothing I can do Nothing I can do about the obstacles that keep me from getting what I want right now. And we're just surrounded by not yet. So you go to the doctor's office, right? And uh, they've got a whole room that's entirely devoted to not yet. And uh, help me out. The name of the room, what do we call that? We call it the, yeah, uh, the waiting room. Nobody wants to go to the waiting room. Nobody volunteers for it. It's kind of like medical purgatory. You just sit there and just wait for something to happen. And there's one person you never see in the waiting room, and that's the doctor, right? You know, imagine this. I would love this. Imagine you walk into your doctor's office and the receptionist says, hello, Mr. Davis. And, uh, you know, hey, if you got any work to do, you got any phone calls to make, any emails to catch up on, you feel free to do so. And whenever you're ready, the doctor will be waiting for you in the waiting room. That'd be great, wouldn't it? That would be uh, awesome. If you go to uh, Disney World, they've got messages all over the place that say not yet. They actually put signs up to let you know how much longer you have to uh, wait. A sign that says, from this point on, it will be three days before you get on the Jungle Cruise. And that's really smart of Disney to do that because it puts a time limit on the not yet. And wouldn't it be great if we had signs like that in real life? You know, like from this point on, you know, only one more year until the Packers win the Super Bowl again. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't have to worry about it. From this point on, three months until you start dating again. From this point on, four years, and those kids that you're worried about, uh, they're going to turn out okay. Everything's going to be fine. From this point on, 10 years, and you're going to have the job of, of your dreams. See, the problem with waiting is not only, does it remind, not only does it remind me I'm not in control, and I don't know when the now is going to come, but it's possible the now may never come, and I may have to live with not yet. For the rest of my life, there's a hilarious video, maybe online, maybe some of you have seen it. It's got millions of, of hits. There's this guy, he goes into this really nice restaurant, he orders some food, and uh, he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and the food never comes. And so he actually takes out his cell phone, and he orders a pizza. And he has the pizza delivered to his table in the uh, restaurant. You ever feel like doing that? And uh, everybody in the restaurant is having the same problem, and they, and they stand up, and they just erupt in applause for this guy. 
Let me ask you, do you have any areas in your life where you would like to order something up for something that you're you know, waiting for? I, I do. I've got areas in my life where I'm going, I can't wait. Uh, this is too important. I'm not going to be happy without it. I'm not going to be content without it. I got to have it now because sometimes the not yets are more serious and difficult and painful for certain kinds of waiting. For some of us, it's the waiting of, 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 the, of a single person for, the relation, for a new relationship. For some of us, it's the waiting of a couple for the gift of a child, and that can be especially painful this time of the year. For some of us, it's the waiting for meaningful work to pay the bills, or the waiting of someone struggling with mental illness just to wake up feeling good in the morning or the waiting of a spouse trapped in a difficult marriage, longing to see change occur. For some, it's the waiting on just some good news from their doctor, just to hear the simple words, you're going to be okay. Here's why this is so important for us. Here's why this is so dangerous for us, because when not yet people get stuck in a time of, 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 of not yet, when now people get stuck in a time of not yet, we feel tempted to give up, to stop trusting, to stop believing to stop waiting for God to show up in our circumstances. And sometimes we say, I'm tired of waiting, and we try to take matters into our own hands. And so today, I want you to see how Christmas has a lot to say about this tension between now and not yet. If we take a look at the story behind the Christmas story, we find that the people waited a long, long time. The people waited through 400 years of silence. For, for the Christ child to finally appear. This month we've been uh, focusing on this great classic Christmas song, O Holy, uh, o Holy uh, Night. And it's got a line that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The world waited a long, long time. This word pining, that's not a word that we use very much today, but here's what it means. It means to wait painfully. And then the song uh, crescendos to this next line, Till he appeared. Till he appeared. I'll tell you, a few individuals waited as long as Simeon and Anna. Now, you may not recognize the name Simeon and Anna. They, typically, they don't show up in nativity scenes. You don't, really, you don't ever see a plastic Simeon in somebody's front yard because they're, they're not the starring roles in the story. They're more like a, a supporting actor or actress, but they play a very important role in the Christmas story, and they teach us something very important about waiting. Luke tells us that in a very mysterious way, that God revealed uh, to Simeon, this prophet Simeon, that uh, he, he would not die uh, before he saw the Christ child. In fact, it says that Simeon waited for the consolation of Israel. Simeon waited for the consolation of God's people. Now, what do you think this word consolation means? I, I, I'll just tell you what it means. Consolation means relief from suffering. Comfort from suffering. Simeon waited for the time when the suffering of God's people would finally come to an end. No more violence, no more broken families, no more injustice. Simeon watched as Rome ruled Israel with an iron fist. They discarded the sick. Orphans just roamed the street. Corrupt leaders taxed the people into poverty. God seemed distant. Simeon watched the evil play out, and he waited at the temple Every day for God to send the Messiah to make everything right. Luke tells us about another prophet, uh, a, a woman by the name of Anna. And uh, he gives us her age. She, she lived 84 years 
But most of her life was filled with disappointment and frustration, watching the injustice play out around her and waiting every day for God uh, to send the Messiah to make everything right. And she lived a very difficult life. It says that uh, she was a widow. She probably got married as a teenager. It says her husband died seven years later. So, so, so for the rest of her life, she just lived as a, as a widow. Back in those days, they valued women primarily by having a husband and having children, but Anna had neither. She was kind of like a non-person in this society. And so both Anna and Simeon wait at the temple day after day, year after year, living in this world of not yet. Not yet. But then Christmas arrived, the first Christmas. The holy night that was different than any other night in the history of the world. And right after that, Joseph and Mary bring the baby Jesus to the temple. And it tells us that that Anna sees the baby, and it just, it just fills her heart to overflowing. And she goes around telling anybody who will listen about the birth of, of Jesus, this poor widow viewed as a non-person celebrated the first Christmas. And then there's this dramatic scene at the temple. Simeon, this old man, this old prophet, it says he goes over and he takes the baby Jesus. Jesus is just eight days old takes him into his arms. He holds him and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Here's something interesting about this verse. If you go back to the original language and uh, you go back to it, it's, it's, it's the language of Greek, and you translate it, what you find is the word now is actually the first word of the sentence. That's how they would give emphasis in that language. And so here's what Simeon says. Now I have what I waited for. Now... My wait is over. His not yet suddenly turned into now with an exclamation point. But think about it. Why? I mean, I mean, what really changed? Rome still continues to rule. Injustice, injustice continues to just go rampant. Widows go undefended. Orphans roam the, the streets. Greed, jealousy, lust still rule the day. The only change is that now there's this baby now there's this new life, this person, and somehow Jesus appearing to Anna and Simeon turns their not yet into now. Jesus appearing gives them new hope, the thrill of hope, brings the thrill of hope to their painful circumstances of, of not yet. And so day after day, month after month, year after year, they wait at the temple. And maybe some of you can relate to Anna and Simeon, areas in your life where, where it just always feels like not yet, not yet, wait for it, wait for it. But then Jesus appears and both Anna and Simeon declare, now I have what I waited for. Now my wait is over. You know, maybe for you, your heart, heart just breaks as you look at our world you know, as you watch the news on, on television or wherever, you know, you get your news. Maybe, maybe it's on your phone. Maybe it's on your computer. And it just breaks your heart. The terror that just grips our nation and our world from Las Vegas to Dallas all the way to, to London. The ugliness of racism. The poverty that causes so many to go without locally and globally. And for many of us, the weight is very personal the longings that we bring into this room today that go unfulfilled, the circumstances that just, just continue to inflict pain 
in your life, the dreams that you have that just perpetually stay on hold. But here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus coming, that first Christmas night, that holy night, here's what it does. It takes all those not yets and turns them into now because we can declare with Anna and Simeon, now I have what I waited for. Now my wait is over. But why is that? I mean, why, why, why is the wait over? This is the important point for us this Christmas. It's because when Jesus showed up, they said that his name would be called Emmanuel. Okay? Maybe you can help me out with this one. What does the name Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means, it means God with us. Exactly. God, uh, God with us. That's what, it's mean. That's what it means. So all of a sudden, God breaks through time and space, and he enters our world as a, as a baby to be with us. And you know what? If God shows up in our world as a baby, if God embraces the birthing process, I think you'd have to admit that would be a total game changer. Total game changer. I had the privilege many years ago to uh, watch the birth of all three of our uh, children, and uh, I did fine, really. I, I, I did fine. Um, I went natural, no medication, did good. And uh, each time we had a different doctor. The second time it was a doctor from the church where we served in Kentucky, and so, so we knew each other, and, and uh, he thought it'd be cool to maybe involve me a little more in the uh, birth, but he didn't tell me. And then at the last minute, he just kind of grabbed me, pulled me in, and I got to catch the baby. And our son, Will, I mean, he just came to life in my hands. I watched him take his first breath. I watched his skin turn pink. He started crying and, and wiggling in my hands. And it was awesome. It was like watching a miracle. But you know what? I felt, I felt nervous. It felt dangerous. I was afraid I was going to drop him. And uh, so I handed him back to the, to the doctor. And the doctor and nurses took care of Will and, and, and Marnie. But there was no doctor or nurse or birthing room, or medications on that holy night. Take a look at this quote. In the ancient world, the act of childbirth was extremely dangerous for both mother and child. Did you know that the leading, you know what the leading cause of death for young women and for babies in, in the ancient world? You know what it was? It was childbirth. I mean, they just prayed and hoped for the best. And that's why it just blows my mind that God chose to embrace the birthing process in the ancient world. I mean, think about it. I can't believe God didn't just come into this world as a, as a, as a 25-year-old male with ripped abs and just ready to go. I can't believe God didn't come into this world as a powerful military leader, as so many people wished that he would. God could have shown up any way he wanted. He could have revealed himself any way that he wanted to, but he chose to come as a vulnerable baby. That's amazing. It tells us God is willing to do whatever it takes to identify with us. God is willing to, to go to whatever lengths necessary to embrace the human condition so that we know he understands us and he is, is, is with us. That's a total game changer. And change can happen very quickly. I remember hearing a mentor tell me to never give up because change can happen in a nanosecond. Don't give up. Change can happen in your life in a nanosecond because when Jesus comes into your life, all of a sudden, now, now God is with you in your circumstances, just like with Anna and Simeon. Now, God is with you in your pain today. He's with you in your suffering. He's with you in your loneliness that you go through this holiday season. 
He's with you in your failures. He's with you in your successes. He's with you in your loss. I mean, it just rips your heart out. But he's right there with you. And he's with you through your divorce. He's with you through your bankruptcy. He's with you through cancer. And see, when God is with you, all of a sudden, the not yet turns into now. Because now God is here. And if God is here, I have hope. I can go on. Now I can, now, now, I, now I have support. I have strength. Now I have courage. I have comfort. I can face anything in this life, and I know what I'll have in the next life. Does that make sense? The presence of Jesus turns all of our not yets into now. And now we have hope. I want to introduce you to a woman from our church by the name of Deb. Deb has gone through some extraordinarily uh, painful circumstances in her life. She went through a series of not yets, but then she discovered the now with Jesus. Take a look. Hi, I'm Deb Patz. I've been attending River Glen for almost eight years now. When I started attending River Glen, I was working full-time as a teacher and kind of going through a transition where I had decided to retire, possibly retire early and start a second career. Unfortunately, three months after I had decided to retire early, my oldest son, Corey, who was 27, died of an accidental overdose. Um, the phone call in the morning was devastating. Um, I was very consumed with my own grief and also helping my 24-year-old son process through his grief. So that year was a, a blur to me, but I just remember being very diligent in helping Eric and helping myself process through. Unfortunately, uh, knock on the door a little over a year later brought some more terror when I found out that Eric, my 24-year-old son, was killed in a motorcycle accident. That just shook my world. I remember falling to the floor and, and asking God why, wondering why he would take two boys, lovely boys, in their prime, and why did he leave me behind? Why didn't he hate me? After struggling with this for a while, I turned to alcohol. That became my friend. That became the only thing that could take away the pain, just keeping me in a state of numbness. I started to isolate myself from family and friends. I really was to the point where I didn't care if I lived or died. I just could not see my life without my two sons. After about a year of struggling and getting some help, I heard about Celebrate Recovery, and it seemed like every Monday would come, and I would either isolate or find an excuse. Very hard to walk in to a very new place. And I remember one Monday, I was sleeping. I woke up about 4.30 and thought, well, it's too late to take a shower. Can't get to CR tonight. However, God had other plans for me. And before I knew it, I was up and walking through the doors to go to celebrate recovery. When I opened that door to God and surrendered to Him and let Him be in control of my life instead of me, haphazardly trying to control it myself, things began to change. And once I let God actually have control, I could breathe a little deeper 
and I knew he was with me. This will be the fourth year now that I lost Corey and the third year since I've lost Eric. And I have gone into this holiday season for the first time with a sense of inner peace and a strong spirit. I actually feel the Holy Spirit moving within me. And it is a feeling I cannot describe and it is a feeling that I never in a million years thought that I could feel as I do now. I hope that my story will help other people realize that there is hope. My soul is so full with hope right now. I can honestly say with goosebumps right now that it is a thrill. I am happy to be able to share my story with other people that may have been where I have been and give them a sense of hope and purpose. God puts that right there if we are there to ask for it and really seek it out. We may have to wait for it. There will be ups and downs along the way, but God wins out in the long run. Yeah. Isn't that a great story? I just cannot imagine going through what Deb went through. She, she waited for healing emotionally. She waited for healing relationally. She waited for healing spiritually. She even tried to take matters into her own hands. But then Deb turned to Jesus. And it's like the Christmas story all over again. God shows up in her life in the person of Jesus and says, Deb, you're not alone. Now I'm with you and it's all going to be okay. And Deb says, I have hope, the thrill of hope, and you can too. You know, I wonder, what are your not yet? What are you waiting for? Because here's what I believe God wants to do this Christmas. He wants to show up in your life and say, right now, because I am with you, it's all going to be okay. It's all okay. I would imagine that we have people here today for a variety of reasons. Some of us, I think if we're honest, maybe mom and dad dragged us here. Maybe mom said, you know, you got to go to church, at least on Christmas and, and Easter, and so here we are. Maybe some of us are here because, because it's a family tradition. Maybe some of us are here feeling stuck in a not yet, and you're waiting. I don't know how you ended up here, but I don't think it's random. I don't think it's a coincidence. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God loves to draw people to himself. And I believe God has drawn you here today because he wants you to know that no matter what you're, you're, you're waiting on in your life, it might be relational, emotional, spiritual, maybe it's financial, maybe it's vocational. When he comes into your life right now, it's going to be okay because he is with you and you can have hope, the thrill of hope. I'm telling you, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your broken dreams, in the midst of your loneliness, what we all want to know is that we have hope that everything's going to be okay. And in the middle of your not yet, Jesus shows up and says, now I am with you. Because of 2,000 years ago, on that holy night, God signaled the wait is over. Hope is, is here. Earlier, I, I mentioned the song, Oh Holy Night, and how we focused on that this this, uh, this past month. It's a great song of the church, but really it's a song about hope, the thrill of hope. Pretty much all the great songs of the church are about hope. For example, the song Amazing Grace is an incredible song 
written by a guy who just felt so broken by sin, so caught up in sin because he worked as a slave trader. He traded human beings. He broke up families for profit until one day somebody confronted him about the cruelty and he broke down and repented and he received the grace of God, the grace that can reach a, a sinner like him. And then he penned the words to Amazing Grace, a song about hope, a song that says, Jesus' forgiveness can save even a wretch like, like me. Another guy wrote a great song called uh, It Is Well With My Soul after he lost his business in the Chicago fire. And a few years later, after he lost all four of his daughters in a tragic accident at sea. And then he goes and pens these words to a song that says, even though I've lost everything, I have hope because of, because of Jesus. It is well with my soul. All the great songs of the church are really about hope. And, and uh, that includes, Oh Holy Night. Uh, look at the lines. It says, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The world waited a long time, waited painfully, till he appeared. And what happened? The soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world, the waiting world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. God wants you to know that now, right now, it's all going to be okay. There's hope. There is joy because the wait is over. Jesus has come. If you'd like to talk to somebody, talk with somebody today about taking your first steps into a relationship with Jesus or your next steps in your relationship uh, with him, stop at the connect wall after the service. We have people there that would love to talk with you and even pray with you. Or mark that on your welcome card if, if you'd like, like to have a conversation about that. And for everyone who, who, who receives this message, for everyone who believes this message about Jesus, I want to invite you to respond by sharing communion together in these next few moments. Our communion is open to everyone because Jesus came for everyone. And communion is a great way to say yes to Jesus. Simeon actually uh, points us to communion. He says something very interesting to Mary about the baby Jesus. Remember this old prophet, Simeon? He comes into the temple court, and Jesus is eight days old. He takes Jesus into his arms. He holds Jesus, and he praises God. Joseph and Mary marvel at him. But then look at what he says. Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Um, Simeon blesses the parents, right? Jesus is just eight days old. And he looks at Mary and he says, a sword is going to pierce your soul too. Doesn't seem like it fits in the Christmas story, does it? What does it mean? Here's what it means. Even though Jesus is just a baby, Simeon is a wise old prophet. And he begins to prepare Mary for the day that Jesus would go to the cross. I would imagine many years later when they put Jesus on the cross as Mary watched, it felt like a sword pierced her own soul too. But that pain was part of God's plan to bring hope to the world today. And it's that cross that we remember uh, during communion. We pass communion trays uh, with double cups. The bread's in the bottom cup. The juice is in the top cup. The bread represents Christ's body. The juice represents his blood. Again, this is open to, to anybody who will open your heart and say yes 
to Jesus. Just take the double cup, and when you're ready, eat the bread and drink the juice. Let me pray for us. Father God, on this Christmas Eve, we we come to you remembering that first time when you showed up here on earth in the person of Jesus. And one of the first responses by Simeon is, now my wait is over. And God, I have to believe that for some of us in this room, we needed to declare this again, that yes, my wait is over. And maybe maybe for some of us, the first time, declare that the first time. Maybe some of us have been waiting for things relationally to turn a certain way, waiting on things financially to turn around. We've been waiting on things emotionally to take an upswing, or we've been waiting on things vocationally, spiritually. God, I just pray that everybody in this room, in our hearts right now, for the first time or for the next time, will say yes to Jesus right now. Yes to his sacrifice for us. Yes to following him as the leader and forgiver in our lives. And maybe you just want to pray that. Just take a moment right now and just pray that. Pray that in your heart. God, thank you for the confidence of knowing that when Jesus comes into our lives, we know that ultimately in this life and into the next life, everything is going to be okay. God, thank you for being the kind of God that comes to us up close and personal 2,000 years ago. But even this morning, on this Christmas Eve, you offer us the thrill of hope right now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.